Welcome back to the AIM podcast. Today we sit down with special guest Max Siegelman, who is the founder of Siegelman Stable. In this episode, you're going to get to hear a lot about Max's background, his story, and his motivation to start the brand that he's now scaling with incredible success. Max has done a great job with forming strategic partnerships and had many, many strategic people wear his hats. You guys are going to love to hear his story and his hustle and his heart for entrepreneurship, brand building, and helping people. Let's dive right into this episode without further ado, Max Siegel. Max, thank you so much for coming on the AIM podcast. I appreciate you having me, Doug. Pumped to be here. Dude, I'm, I'm pumped. Ever since we met, man, in, uh, in Denver at the HBLT event, man, you are... You have such an inspiring story and it's so cool to see the things that you're accomplishing, but more so getting a chance to meet you. I can, I can sense that drive and determination and, and I'm really pumped to share your story here on the show today. I appreciate it, man. And I'm, I'm appreciative that Mazza brought us together through, uh, through HBLT. It was a, it was a great event. Happy he invited me out to speak and uh, take part in, in all the stuff. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a great event for sure. He brings together some really, really um, incredible people that, you know, buy into this, this vision of just like maximizing your life, like how, you know, what are you willing to do to, to accomplish what you want to accomplish? And when you can surround yourself with people that have a very similar mindset, I think it's really powerful. And that's a big piece of, you know, why I've been so thankful with this podcast, the guests we're able to bring on. It's I'm hoping bringing so much value to the listeners and, and encouraging them to take that step um, of faith and, and pursue the things they want to and pursue the things they feel called to. It just takes some work and uh, some hustle. Totally. I mean, yeah, I think I've, I've, kind of fallen into it but uh i think a lot of people think you fall into stuff by mistake but typically it happens because you've been building up doing other stuff or something you didn't imagine to happen so it's definitely uh like you said it's a big hustle i love it bro well for everyone listening you know i'd love to just share a little bit of your background some to kind of get the context before we really dive into the the nitty-gritty of of siegelman stable but you come from a sports background really you know great soccer player how did that kind of shape your foundation? And I'd love to hear more about like you, what led up to, you know, you starting the business. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I grew up playing soccer, played soccer through college, uh, played just for fun after. It's how I met Mazza actually, uh, just like playing and working out when you moved into New York, we kind of moved in around the same time. And then I think uh, I took like the same, like as soon as soccer was over for me in college and like you weren't waking up early in the morning and going to practice or training and all that stuff. Like I still kept that pretty uh, rigorous like schedule of like, I still wanted to wake up early. I still wanted to like get in a workout before you start your work day and, and kind of stay on that routine. Like I'm definitely a big routine person. Um, and instead I think it was like 2014 or 15, I moved into New York city and like, it's always been the like, networking events where you go out and you get a drink or you go get a steak and you entertain at dinner it was like that moment in in culture where like people started taking people to like workouts like class workouts uh to to network and i think that that's where i've like felt a comfort zone of like being able to network in that environment so i think like sp like sports for me obviously put me in that place uh, and then I think tearing my ACL and like focusing on my fitness and my health and wellness and my eating and all of that stuff then got me to that point of just having a passion for fitness that I used as a big piece of networking for me to build a 
Rolodex of good relationships to eventually help me through different things that I did. And even now and still with Siegel and Stable. That's incredible, man. I, uh, you know, I think it's so cool how we're all called to different areas. We all have different passions. I, I have a sports background, I play college basketball, but the parallels between successful athletes and people that, you know, at least were dedicated athletes to success in the, in the real world or, you know, after sport, I think it's so strong and it's so cool to see all the different little nuances of the things that you collect and the skill sets you, you acquire in that sport and that training that you're able to apply and, and see success in other areas as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like the automatic, like commonality or relatability that like you, you have that bond with the person, even if you met them 30 seconds before you start working out together uh, and you kind of already have that rapport, you already have the similarity and that thing in common. Uh, and then that just helps build that foundation of a, of a potential relationship or networking opportunity. 100%. I want to talk about Sigma Stable. Obviously it's, it's, your your brand what you've you've created i would love to hear more of the backstory of what motivated you to start the brand i know a little bit of it from hplt but i'd love to maybe you share the the story just for our listeners and, and kind of what got you put it on your heart to to make that move yeah so so i uh I, it happened by mistake uh kind of so my dad is a, a racehorse trainer he did it even before the eighties, but in the eighties, he started his own racing stable and started training horses for different owners or different groups of owners, um, before owning even a piece of his own, but always kept training, um, for other people and throughout him training. And that's how he made a living and supported our family. Uh, and my mom worked as well like that. He always opened up his racing stable to different programs, whether it was for inner city youth programs, uh, in like underserved communities or uh, equine therapy for uh, veterans or kids with special needs or anything like that. So it was more than just a racing stable that was how he made his living, but also gave back to different communities in different ways to give people the opportunity to see horses in person, learn horsemanship and, 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 and go through equine therapy to help cope with different things. Um, I never had anything to do with the horse side of business at all. I, I stayed away from it. Uh, I don't know if he strategically did that or not, but I, I just never got involved with it in any way, but obviously grew up around horses more than most kids who grew up 30 minutes outside of New York city. And the typical response, if you ask most of my friends growing up, what their parents did, they were doctors, lawyers, uh, worked in finance, like the, the typical suburban type of answer. Um, and Fast forward to the pandemic, uh, I did creative and, and marketing and social for a lot of athletes and brands and, and, and music artists and stuff. Um, fast forward to the pandemic was clearly not traveling as much for projects and work and just decided for fun to make a few hats and sweatshirts in different colorways um, with the two logos that my dad had that my mom actually hand drew um, for, for him when he started his business in the 80s. Um, my intention at the moment was just to remake a look of a hat that he had made in the eighties that I had like one that was left and then using the graphic that was on a jacket that was, my grandpa's name was embroidered on, uh, on a sweatshirt in a few different colors and really just make them with a whopping $400 or so for like yeah. myself and my brother and my parents and family and friends that wanted them, um, with no intent to sell it. Um, but once I started wearing it, once other people started wearing it, 
uh, I was just hit up enough on Instagram to finally decide to like, all right, I'll make some more of this stuff and just like reinvest my money back into it. Um, like that few hundred dollars uh, and launch a Shopify and see what happens. Uh, I, I, as soon as I decided that I was going to sell them to profit, I always said that we would uh, donate a portion of proceeds to different equine therapy programs because now we're, we're not just selling uh, apparel or, or, or starting a fashion brand. Like we're telling my dad's story and this is how we're doing it through fashion and, and this apparel. Um, and that's how it really started. Like the first time we did it, obviously I wasn't making a ton of pieces sold out. I was like, all right, maybe we got something here, reinvested all that money back into it, did it again, sold out. So I was like, oh shit, maybe we actually really have something <laughs> like starting to build my confidence in it. And then started gifting some people that I've worked with in the past, had like a few NBA players wear it in the bubble uh, when they were down in uh, Orlando and Disney in the bubble uh, and, and a few other people and, and, and had a lot of like spikes in, in, in website traffic and visibility through social. And um, now we've been doing it for two and a half years and it's been fucking crazy. <laughs> Bro, let's go, man. Congrats, dude. That's no easy feat. And, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to have different entrepreneurs on the show from so many industries. And, you know, you're pretty unique in, in the way you're attacking and building this brand. It's a special brand. And it's so cool to hear the roots that are, you know, just driven from family and like the values that you guys have built your your lineage on. Like it's so it's so cool. And I think you guys stepping out and really prioritizing and making it known that you guys give back and have, have a reason for what you do. I think it's really, really important and uh, makes it that much more special. Yeah. And I think like we're in a, we're in a place now that it's so easy to start a brand, like the, the creator economy, like makes it, which is great. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities in the room for everyone, but I think having that brand history and that heritage story and, having a purpose, I think is really what helps break through a lot of that clutter and, and, and noise. hundred percent. That's incredible. Now, before you, you know, you said you kind of stumbled into by accident and then you started to kind of gain momentum. Did you have any personal like experience or background in business? Like as a kid, like selling lemonade or flipping shoes, like, did you have any type of hustle like experience or did, was this kind of your first stab at like, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, build a business. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely sold lemonade and I see at some point. And I think I actually, I actually vaguely remember having a killer day where we made like 1200 bucks. So we must have had a busy corner. I was, like, I was like real young. Yeah. Like oh. we, were we were crushing. Uh, we were overcharging and crushing. Um, <laughs> I definitely flipped sneakers for like a little bit. Uh, I think my fiance has talked me out of spending so much money on sneakers now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, my, my senior year of college, I started um, an app called Rouse Social that was like one of the first fan-facing social aggregation apps uh, with my best friend from high school's older brother, who was like early into like the website business and had uh, like made websites for like Paris Hilton and like Hot Sauce, the, the streetball and one player. Um, and, the, and, the, and then we had the opportunity to link up with LO Cool J as a co-founder and investor. And I think that's what really opened up my door of like figuring out how to network, figuring out how to keep uh, and maintain relationships with people. Even if you had nothing to offer at that time, it's like, what can you do for them, whether you're getting paid or not? Um, and I think that was like a quick early lesson for me to, to learn that you should work for free. Uh, you should give them everything you have. Uh, even if you have really nothing tangible to offer at the moment. 
um, and then figure out how to keep that relationship if valuable for both of you. And it makes sense. Um, so I think like the hustle for me was like, maybe not necessarily uh, money driven or, or immediate money driven. It was more about uh, like my network being my, my valuable piece uh, in, in moving forward with stuff. For sure. And I, I wanted to I want to dive into that a little bit deeper if you're cool, because I think that's a piece that you're you're obviously an elite connector, an elite networker. I don't really like the term network. I think connecting is so much more strong. I think it gets thrown around. Everyone's like, I want to network, I want to network. But I think when you can connect with someone and really find something in common, some way to, you know, exchange value back and forth. But I'd love to hear more of your your process with that. Cause you talk about when you're when you're just getting started, I feel like a lot of people that listen to the show are like, I want to get connected. I want to like meet the right people. I want opportunities. Yeah. How, how do you kind of get in the door? Because obviously now you're in a position where you have extreme credibility. You've got a strong brand. You've got X, Y, Z wearing your hats. Like you have a, you have a lot of pull. How did you, how did you get there? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a long road. Like I, I think it took me probably eight to 10 years to figure out one, how to monetize it. I think that's like one of the toughest things. Like you can't put on your LinkedIn or on your resume that you like are a professional dot connector. Like it's not a job. Uh, I think they're like, it, it, it's hard. It's so hard to describe. Like there's, there's not one strategy that works. There's not one way to make uh, a connection or to make a relationship with someone that works. Like you need to feel it out. Like we were just saying, like, a lot of my, I'd say 90% of my connections up until 2020 were through fitness, whether it was LO Cool J, whether it was Brian Mazza with it, whether it was whoever, like it was through fitness. Like that was like the main ground for it. And then we brought it out into different verticals of, of life and what we were working on and what we were putting our money or our time into. So I, I think for me, it's like, it took me a while to figure out. I still have, there, there's times still now where I'm like, oh, I don't know how to monetize that, but I don't, but I think the right mindset, like your, if your first instinct is like, how do I monetize that? It's not for you. I think like for me, it was like, I'm not about to, I'm happy to introduce people together and not try and figure out immediately how to monetize that. Like, like it's, it's very hard to ask to be like, okay, I'll introduce you to this person and this person. But if something happens in the middle between you guys, I want my, I want some skin in the game. Like that's a really hard conversation, especially for like a 20 something year old that like is still trying to figure it out. And you're still trying to figure out what value you bring to the table other than making that connection, which by the way, is very valuable, like very valuable. I don't want to understate that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a buildup. I think you need to learn. And I don't think that there's only one way to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. I've I've been around some people that have kind of taken the approach of like, obviously you need to do it in a thoughtful like. There's there's a way to do this, but just give, 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 and and good things come back. And it's like if you're known, you know, you're you're doing it intelligently. Like you're bringing people together. You're trying to help. You're trying to connect. You then become extremely valuable because people know what you're capable of. And if they don't take care of you, you're likely not going to continue to give, give, give. And I think it, you can do it in a way that's that's fair in a way that's helpful in a way that's beneficial to all people. But it's, it's definitely an art and it's definitely a skill. And I think it's something you have to go into it with, a, with the right heart posture. Yeah. It's a, a lot more art than, than science or math. Uh, <laughs> art. I, I think like, I mean, there are people who are, you would be like, they could DM anyone because of their name or what they did or what sport they played or what album they put out or whatever their name is. And they won't be the one to reach out to that person direct. They'd rather ask me or ask someone else to make that connection. 
Um, so it's just like, so if they're not comfortable in, in doing that and reaching out and trying to make that connection, like there's no reason that you can't become that person if that becomes your art to do it. For sure. For sure. I want, I want to jump back to the early days of you starting the business because you talked a little bit about the timeline. You guys started, you make, you started making items for family, for friends, for close people. You put on it, you know, on so through social, you were getting higher demand, more people were reaching out. When was it that you, you know, first saw that first hit where you're like, dang, like this, this might change the business. Like, was there a pivotal moment for you or was it pretty gradual? Yeah. I think we've had, we've had a few, we've had a few big moments when, when big name people have worn it and worn it in the right place at the right time. Uh, and I think that that could happen to brands. It could happen to brands a lot. And I think it's a lot of how you manage it and how you figure it out and how you, uh, I don't want to say take advantage. It's not the right phrase, but like how you capitalize how you capitalize on that moment, how you take advantage of that moment. Like it is what it is. Like how you take advantage of that moment, like how you market yourself in that moment, how you, uh, how you speak in that moment. Like, I think that that is just as important as that moment happening. Uh, I mean, we were the first, the first person to wear it, uh, was future in a, in a music video is wearing one of the OG colorway hats. Uh, one for me, like, my number one artist uh it, just a music i listened to so that was like amazing personally for me <laughs> to like all i did when putting seagull and stable together in my studio apartment in pandemic was watch future music videos so for like that to be the thing i was like wow that's fucking sick um so i think it's like that's a motivational moment futures future is obviously future and a, a a big name and a celebrity and music artist and then a few months later, Kendall Jenner wore it at Paris Fashion Week. Uh, obviously, a huge name and, and star to wear it. Um, so we, we've had some like really amazing moments, and we've been super strategic in how we uh, try and capitalize or figure out those moments or market those moments or make those moments last. Um, and, and I think a lot also has to do with like different projects that we've done, whether it's collaborations or uh pop-ups that we've done or or our own capsules that we've put out and like like we're not even at the point of like putting the stuff we really want to put out yet like we're we're close now but like two years ago two and a half three years ago when we first started this like i didn't know what i was doing like i was just no clue i was just i was building a brand with simple items that was easy for me to do because i didn't have a fashion background but I knew how to market. Hmm. And now that we've established ourselves to an extent, like we're nothing in the drop of a bucket at this point, but now that we've established ourselves, have an amazing community and customer base as of now, there's huge opportunity for scale, but scaling too fast is also not cool. And that's not what we're trying to do. We want to be slow, strategic uh, and, and do everything the right way. But in terms of like the stuff that we want to put out and the stuff that we've been working on behind the scenes and our own cut and sew stuff and like really dipping our toes into fashion, like we're not even there yet, which is the most exciting part of it. hundred percent, bro. That's amazing. How, how has your mindset mindset changed? And maybe it hasn't, but like from that first moment of you seeing that future video of him wearing your hat, which is like a surreal moment for you. You're like, you're trying to like, just have this you're having this realization of like dude this guy that i've looked up to that's been you know motivated inspired me is wearing my hat to where you are now doing you know collaborations with muhammad ali's 
um, their group and all the, and seeing all these different people, how has your mindset changed throughout that time or, you know, developed in different ways? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I think future or Kendall or, or Bieber, like whoever the name is like wearing our stuff are just like motivational things. I don't think that's like, Oh, I made it moment. I think it's like, okay, let's keep doing this because like we have momentum, we have consistency, like we must be doing something right. Our brand voice is right. Our mission is right. Our clothes are good. The way it looks is good. It feels good. Um, so I think like, I think probably the future one was like, shut all the haters up probably. I was like, okay, maybe he's got something. Not that it's ever been about proving anyone wrong. But I think when I first started this, like even my dad, who like is Siegelman Stables, like who the fuck's going to wear a Siegelman Stable hat? Right? <laughs> but like looking back on that, it's like, why are we going to be so negative about that? It's like, like I'm going to fucking do it, right? Like basically I got to the point where like, I'm going to fucking do it. Um, so I think like now it's like, it's more about how can we get better versus like, how can we do it? And I think that's been like the Siegelman stable right now is like me and my fiance. We're like the only people doing this on a daily basis, like from fulfillment to design, to marketing, to PR, like two of us, that's it. Uh, so like our mindset is like, okay, we could do better. Like the Muhammad Ali thing was like amazing. Maybe our best content that we ever did. Uh, the opportunity obviously was amazing. We're thankful that that came our way, but it's like, okay, how can we be better? Like we're happy with it. It's not like we're never content. It's like, how can we be better? Yeah. I think that's a common theme you see in a lot of very successful entrepreneurs. You know, you have to, well, what, the, the moment you settle is the moment you, you stop growing. Like you can't yeah. stop. You can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's over. Then it's over. Right, dude. Yeah. What how is you, and how long can you sell the same stuff for? Like you could maybe, but like, it's also like, we still know that we could take it much further. Yeah, hundred percent. And that that kind of like segues nicely into the next kind of question I have for you is like, what goes on? I'm super curious in your design process. You guys coming out with different styles, different colors. Now you're actually stepping into different product line with with jackets and stuff like that. How has that process been for you uh, from kind of like inception to where it is now? Yeah, I think you get to certain points, and I don't think we perfected it yet. Like you're like, okay, we've done super well with product A and B. Let's keep it going. What can we add? What can we test? Who are Who is our audience? Who are our customers? What does our community want? What's our community asking for? Uh, like, what do we really want to be? Like, there's so many questions that have to be answered, like on a daily basis for planning different capsules or collaborations or, or product launches. Uh, and I think like, at the end of the day, it's like, be true to who we want to be and the right people will come to us to, to be our customer. I think as soon as you move into, I want to sell $10 million in this, this structure hat and that's it. Like you can do that, but there's no longevity to it. Like I, I, there's, you need to decide at some point who you want to be, what you want to be, what you want the brand to be. And I think if you lean into what you really want, as long as it takes, you'll get there eventually. For sure. As you guys have had success and grown and had opportunities to work with larger part, you know, had larger partnerships, has your mindset or like vision for the brand changed at all? Or has like, have you seen any type of developments there? Or are you guys still kind of narrowly focused on how you originally envisioned and started the company? Yeah. I mean, we're super 
like head down like if if someone comes to us and wants to do a collaboration and we're not aligned we, like we'll pass on it it doesn't matter how big they are like i had to say the hardest no that i've had to do so far and i won't say who it was was a music artist that i probably listened to for 90 percent of my childhood um and like to have to say no because you just didn't see the the brand alignment for how the product would where the product would be and just, how it would be sold and all of that is like not fun, but also in the back of your mind, it's like, Oh, I can do that, but it's also not fun. So I think it's just like, we are very, very, we're still so young, right? Again, like we're still a drop in a bucket. Like we're still so careful about how we align our brand, who we align it with and like what we're doing from a product perspective and where our product lives that like you can make one wrong move. And like, that's not, that's going to be a bad look for you and could turn your business into or, or move your business into a way it shouldn't, or you don't want it to be. So. hundred percent. That's, that's interesting. I have full respect that you, you take that much, you know, caution and care with, with those decisions. I think right now we live in a world where the power of social media is so strong that that smart brands are aligning with other brands and doing partnerships to kind of gain access to their communities, their customer base. With you guys specifically, because I know you guys have a very distinct vision, what goes into a good partnership for you guys? Obviously, you can use examples or just talk, you know, big picture here. Like you guys had an awesome partnership with the Muhammad Ali um, setup. But like what goes into it for you guys to make sure there's a good alignment, but also value for the brand? Yeah, I think the, the first thing is like the responsibility that comes with having a brand that's your actual name is like a lot bigger deal than if I just started a brand and called it whatever right uh so there's a lot more responsibility and thought that goes into how i align my name with brand x that we'll do something with um i mean the muhammad ali one is a great example right it's like we could tell like muhammad ali is like like untouchable name right like to me it's like an untouchable name if you go anywhere in the world 99 of people that you talk to and you say the name muhammad ali one will know it and two will have 110 positive things to say about him as a human being so that alignment is easy right and i think the next piece of that alignment is like why and for us the why is like he had a, one he's from lexington kentucky which is like horse capital of the world and had strong relationship with horses um and we we hope that and we think that we told that story pretty well through our content that we created um and, and we even went to his estate in uh deer lake in pennsylvania and shot our content for for the campaign there um another example i guess would be well, a totally other side of the spectrum is what we did at super bowl with johnny walker blue and don julio 1942. so all of a sudden you're going to align yourself with with liquor brands but you're aligning yourself with two basically luxury liquor brands that have heritage, have been around for a while, are looked at as a, the, the top shelf liquors uh, and, and completely aligned with luxury. And I think that's where we see ourselves, whether it's today, tomorrow or in a year at that point as a top shelf luxury brand. So I think all of those things play a huge part. So number one, brand alignment, two, storytelling, and three, can we tell that story together that's cohesive and, and, and makes sense? That's amazing. No, that totally, that totally makes sense. And 
I'm sure it's easier said than done a lot of times, but when you nail it right, it can be a really powerful lever for the business just to continue to grow, expand, and, and obviously bring value to your customers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely a lot of thought goes into it. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's sometimes not as easy as said or done. For sure. I think, I think one of the coolest things about some of these episodes been with founders is like, if they're comfortable sharing vulnerability of like the lessons they've learned, I think it's so cool to, to have that experience to then help others with. And I was just curious, are there any specific lessons that kind of jump to mind for you as you've built this business of, you know, things that you've learned either about your character or about business and entrepreneurship that you can, that you could be willing to share? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, probably the top two that come to mind is, um, listen to outside noises, but take it with a grain of salt and question everything. Uh, I think as you see positive or upward trajectory, a lot of people will come out of nowhere and start giving you their opinions and what you can do better and what they think that they see in the business in the future, what you should do now to help scale or whatever but like no one knows everything uh especially if someone just has money and they're like i'll give you this but they'll they've never proven themselves to build something and then all of a sudden you take their money and uh they're trying to tell you what to do not from personal i'm just saying in general um but but i think it's i think you should question everything uh, I, I think you should really like, I'm full advocate of like, be a sponge, listen to everything that everyone has to say, but totally question everything and do the things that feel right and make sense for you. Especially if you're everything that you've done has built a business to a place that you think it's, uh, a gradual success to the next level. Uh, and then the other thing, maybe cliche or not, I like, I was always of the mindset, like you don't want to work with friends and you don't want to work with a significant other and you don't want to work with people who are close to you because you don't want to overlap your personal relationships and your work relationships. When I first started dating my now fiance, but then girlfriend, I said that I never wanted her to get involved. Uh, and that was a one man show and all that stuff. Um, probably the best thing that's ever happened that she got involved. Uh, and now that it's just the two of us doing all this stuff and it's like, we live and breathe it. Uh, and I'm good at what I'm good at and she's good at everything else. Uh, it really helps to have that cohesive, um, relationship on both sides. So, um, be open to it. I'm not saying that's always the case. I think we're lucky. Um, and it's a positive that you spend all that time together versus like, you're always on top of each other. Um, but again, I'm not saying that works for everyone. I'm just saying, I think we're in a lucky position that that's the case. That's awesome. And I, I think that's interesting because even a lot of my friends, you know, are dating or are married to, you know, the person they're either starting a brand with through the creator economy of their influencers or, you know, whatever the case might be in your, in your specific case, like what, what have you guys seen has been like successful tactics to either have like that work life balance or just like set up boundaries to like maintain that relationship, but also be able to like lock in and like, let's go build this thing. Yeah, I'm not sure that there are boundaries, to be completely honest. And I, I think if you have a good flow uh, of life and work, uh, like there could be days where we wake up at 6 a.m. and it's like we talk about work until midnight, like 6 a.m. midnight. And then there are days where, but like at the end of the day, it's like 
You get to travel with that person for work. You get to work with that person all day. Like we talk about all the time that we like put the spin on it that we're lucky. But like, if you think about pre-pandemic and before that, I mean, when our parents were working or whatever, it's like my parents only saw each other like for three hours a day. Like my mom ran out the door to work. My dad was gone at like four or five in the morning to go to work. And then they got home at night and you had dinner and you put the kids to bed and you made them do their homework. And like, that was it. So it's like, we're in a lucky situation where it's like, you do get to spend all that time together. And maybe some people don't want that, but it works for us. Awesome, man. No, I, I respect that. I think it makes a ton of sense. I want to talk about where all this is headed. You, I'm sure you guys, obviously you have so much momentum and in, in whatever you're allowed to share here, but like what exciting pro- projects do you guys have in the pipeline? What is kind of the vision as you continue to grow this thing? Where is Siegelman Stable headed right now? Uh, yeah, I think we're, we're definitely a lot of positivity around us. A lot of like amazing momentum, amazing projects coming up. Probably have 10 to 12 in the pipeline that's just uh, either our own or collaborations with uh, sport teams or uh, other brands or uh, whether it's fashion brands or, or other um but i think the most exciting thing is just like our own cut and sew pieces that we're now just developing our own stuff versus like ordering blanks and that whole game and that's how i started it so i think just seeing the progression and 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 kind of where it's going and and having that build up is is really the exciting part of it um so on the up hopefully overall on the up that's amazing I'm, i'm excited to watch you continue to crush it bro it's been so cool to see all the success you're having and, you know, the positive impact you're having as well. I think it's, it's a really special combination Not everyone can do it, but you're doing it in such a cool way, man. So I'm, I'm super pumped for you. I appreciate it. Let's go, dude. My last kind of question, and this is more just like business one-on-one with like different, obviously there's so many different business models. Some people try to bring products or services to market that scale very quickly, um, you know, and are kind of reaching the mass market. You guys, I feel like are a little bit in a more niche situation. You guys are very, very smart and strategic with marketing. You guys have had a lot of success with drops and, and selling them out very quickly. With the model you've you've approached and you've kind of gone after, how does that model scale? You talk about this earlier, like you're you're positioning yourself in in a in a way that you'll be able to scale this. How is does this idea and this brand scale to the masses while also maintaining the integrity of what you guys are trying to accomplish? Yeah, I think that's that's the fine line of figuring that out, right? Like, I, I think that that's the, the, the biggest, I think that's the biggest question that a brand, when they get to like our point, um, has in trying to figure out. You want to keep the limited, you want to keep a secondary market, a healthy secondary market, you want to see products on resale, uh, but you also want to keep revenue moving and and and, and have that. Um, I think like we've we've done that model, and I don't see us changing that model on our limited stuff. I think there could get to a point where we have certain items that are always around, uh, and I think that as we continue to grow our um, our offerings in terms of different pieces, it opens the door, um, to have stuff sometimes always available, some always on products. Um, but having that limited drops and all that stuff, I don't, I don't see changing. Um, and we've had opportunities to, to be in stores and all that. And I just don't see that 
uh, is where we we are at the moment. And so we're, we're not doing that. For sure. It makes a ton of sense, man. I'm, uh, I'm pumped for you, dude. Max, thank you so much for coming on the AIM podcast. You're, you've been a tremendous guest, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to share all the value and experience that you have and all the cool things you guys are doing with Siegelman Stable. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. Always good to see you. Let's go, bro. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the AIM podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation, and if you found value in it, I ask that you kindly share this with a friend. We want to continue to grow this community and help more and more people every single day. If you have any questions for me, if I can ever help you anyway, please reach out to me at Doug Elks on all social. I'd be happy to help you out. Let's get after this week. Let's crush it. And as always, keep ambition in mind.